0: Live from the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's America's favorite gun-toting, Bible-clinging,
2: deplorable American. That's
3: us, that's right. I
2: love this American ride. Todd Starnes. Oh, yeah.
1: All right. Well, uh, folks, I, I know you've been waiting for this. And last night I was watching the, the results come in. I was taking a few notes, making a few observations about what I wanted to say because now the the midterm election cycle has concluded except for whatever is happening in Arizona, uh, which is not looking good. But regardless, I, I think I, I am safe in providing you my analysis of the Republican Party and, and where we are right now. And we're going to be getting your calls, um, and I want to take a lot of calls during today's program because I want to hear from you. I, I want to hear from you about where you think things went wrong and how you think that we can we can fix this. And, and I do believe it is fixable. I truly believe that. But it is going to take a lot of work. We're going to have to roll up our sleeves and, and we're just going to have to keep fighting the good fight here. We also have to play smart. Now there's there's a lot of blame to go around over what happened in Georgia last night. I will say this: uh, early on, it looked good for Herschel Walker. Uh, Herschel did well in areas that he needed to do well in, and and you got to give credit where credit is due. Thank goodness for Brian Kemp, the governor, the very popular governor of going in and really targeting some specific areas to get out the vote. And it's this idea of micro-targeting, which is one of the reasons, and they explained this to us on one of the interviews this past week or last week, where you go into an area that is traditionally red, and you hammer that area to make sure you can squeeze out every vote possible. But it still wasn't enough. It was not enough. And the reality is that Herschel Walker was not the right candidate. And this goes back to day one. And I, I told you folks early on, I had grave concerns about Herschel Walker because he refused to debate his fellow Republicans in the primary process. And I do believe that had there been a different candidate that, that we would have seen a different outcome yesterday. I truly believe that. Herschel Walker, and and again, great football player, great person. I, I do not, I, I, I'm not throwing stones here. I'm going back and reminding you early on that there were concerns. But what is the mindset? There is a mindset out there among the establishment. You will vote for our candidates or else. And there is a mindset in the Trump world. You will vote for our candidates or else. And there are people that listen to this program that believe Trump can do no wrong, that the president is 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 flawless, that he is without sin. There are people out there that believe that. And that is your right to believe. But can I tell you that what happened in Georgia, there's a there's blame to go around everywhere. And we've got to fix this. But the biggest problem, the biggest problem yesterday was not Donald Trump. The biggest problem was the establishment Republicans, and I want to explain why here. We got, a, we got a big problem in our party, and the party is divided. We are in the middle of a civil war. I know nobody likes to talk about that, but we are. We should have cleaned house in the midterm elections. But when you've got candidates out there that are being defeated by other candidates who are, in fact, brain damaged, that's a big issue, a big issue. We're not vetting candidates. We're not vetting anybody. As long as the, the, now the, the idea is, well, as long as they can win, we really don't care what their beliefs are. We don't care if they support the party platform. We just need a big win for the R's. I'll give you a great example here in Memphis, Tennessee. A very prominent Republican wrote an op-ed for the local newspaper saying that Republicans should be pro-abortion. It's ludicrous. That's not who we are. As a matter of fact, that's not even in the party platform. We're pro-life. It's in the party platform. So the issue to me is the establishment of Republicans. And here's why. You had the lieutenant governor of the state of Georgia, Jeff Duncan, out there campaigning against Herschel Walker. He was out there campaigning against the nominee for his own political party. And for no good reason other than the fact that he just didn't like the guy. Take a listen.
4: Earlier today, CBS News congressional correspondent Nicole Killian discussed the runoff election with the lieutenant governor of Georgia. The Republican explained why he decided not to vote for fellow party member Herschel Walker. I'm a
5: conservative.
1: Uh, I'm a conservative because I think it's the best way to govern. Uh, I've been a Republican a lot longer than a lot of folks. I think I've got kids probably that could articulate the conservative platform better than some of the candidates that Donald Trump and, and his, uh, his group uh, supported all across the country. You know, this wasn't the right brand for, for Republicanism. And I think uh, Herschel Walker will probably go down as one of the worst Republican candidates in, in our party's history. No, that, that um, distinction would go to Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue, uh, but not Herschel Walker, who actually did well. The problem is he was fighting his own party. And in a race that tight, and that was a very close race last night, in a race that tight, when you've got members of your own political party out there fighting against you and doing it openly, that's a big problem. And you are going to have a big problem. That's not Donald Trump. That's on the establishment wing of the Republican Party. They say they're conservatives. They're not conservatives. They're all about power, those people. You've got Van Jones out there on CNN last night talking about how Herschel Walker was an insult to the black community. Cut number eight.
2: Yeah, you know, I I, I hope so. I mean, that that, that can happen. What I do know is this. um, uh, Tonight is about Georgia, and tonight is about Trump picking somebody who, frankly, Used to be a hero. Uh, his, his name, Herschel Walker, used to mean inspiration. Now it means insult. He's an insult to the black community. And part, what you may see tonight is people coming out not just to vote uh, in favor of a senator that they love, but just to vote against Donald Trump picking somebody like this and throwing this person at the voters in Georgia, like, well, you'll just pick anybody who's black. His judgment, Trump's judgment, uh, tonight is going to be, I think, called into question by a lot of people. And and I think that when you have when you have a situation where uh, uh, it's obvious that Trump, uh, went a, uh, he was a little bit too clever by half. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to put a black guy against right. a black guy, but the guy that he picked was the wrong black guy.
1: That's actually, part of that is actually true. Herschel Walker was picked because of the color of his skin. What have I said about identity politics on this radio program? What have I said? It doesn't work if you're a Republican. It doesn't work. You want an example? And by the way, this is how we got into the mess we are in right now. It goes back to Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, when he put Kelly Loeffler in the U.S. Senate. He specifically wanted a woman. It didn't matter that she wasn't a conservative. He wanted a woman. She turned out to be a terrible candidate, which, again, is how we got here in the first place. And now the state of Georgia for the next six years, you're going to have a pro-abortion communist who tried to run over his wife as your sitting United States senator. Six years. But this goes back to the establishment Republicans fighting tooth and nail. The The Republican leadership got together and they, and, and these are the people that I'm talking to in Washington. And the general thought here is that the Republican leadership got together and they said, you know what? We got to stop Trump. He cannot be the nominee of the party in 2024. How do we stop Trump? The best way to stop Trump is to destroy his candidate in Georgia. And that's what they did. That's what they did. They, they did this through the entire election cycle. And you saw Mitch McConnell yanking money from New Hampshire, from Alaska, from Arizona. It was, it was It's appalling. And then these these U.S. senators turn around, these Republicans, and they put Mitch McConnell back in charge. And you think we're going to get a different result, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, can we just get honest here? Let's get real for a moment when it comes to the Republican Party. Let's just say that the Senate and the House – are now controlled by Republicans, that they actually won majorities. Do you really think that they were going to cut government spending if they were in charge? Do you really think that? Do you really think they would do anything to help secure the border? Do you really think they would do anything to keep jobs from going overseas, American jobs? Do you really think the Republicans would do anything at all? Do you think they would live up to their campaign promises? And I think we all know the answer to that question. And it is a process, and it is going to be a very long and arduous process. And we cannot – we can't get bogged down and we can't get discouraged. It's going to take a while to fix this problem. This is not going to happen overnight. But one of the first things we can do is get rid of all of the Republican leadership because what they've been doing has not been working. Again, going back to going back to what just happened in Georgia – where Herschel Walker was outspent. There it was an unbelievable amount of money. Where was all the money? Trump's raising all this money. Why why didn't why didn't that money go into the Georgia race? And by the way, how many of us we can't even go check our emails anymore because of all of the fundraising emails we're getting from not just Trump but all the other Republicans. So it's not like they're broke. Where's the money? And what do they do with it? Because they didn't use it in Georgia. Herschel Walker was outspent. He was outmanned. What did I tell you early on? What what should have happened? There should have been a unity event. There should have been Herschel, Donald Trump, Brian Kemp, Ron DeSantis, all on a bus. Throw in Nikki Haley, too. Put them all on a bus. Hit every single county in Georgia. And you fight like it's the end of the world. But they didn't do it. Because everybody's too busy hating everybody. And I get it, but we got to figure this out here, folks. And the question is, what is the answer? What do we need to do to turn this around? What do the Republicans need to do to fix this? 844-747-8868. That's our toll-free telephone number, 844-747-8868. we got a lot to go through today. We're going to be checking in with our good friend, Scott Perry. He is chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. Those guys have a great big bullseye on them. We're going to be also checking in with our friends from all across America. This is the Tom Stern Show. The Biden administration has caused a financial crisis, and they don't have a clue how to fix it, folks. Our economy is in trouble, and you need to take steps to protect yourself. Now, if all your money is tied up in stocks, bonds, and traditional markets, you're vulnerable. Gold is one of the best ways to protect your retirement. No matter what happens, you own your gold. It's real, it's physical, and it's always been valuable since the dawn of time. Legacy Precious Metals is the company I trust for investing in gold. They can help you roll your retirement account into a gold-backed IRA where you still own the physical gold. They can also ship gold and precious metals safely and securely to your house. Did you know a million dollars worth of gold can fit in a shoebox? Call Legacy at 866-649-0304 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's 866-649-0304 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. All right. Welcome back to the Todd Stearns radio program. Great to have you with us uh, today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're taking your calls on what happened. Where do you think things went wrong and how do we fix it? 844-747-8868. I will say this. The starting point is getting rid of every Republican in leadership and starting over again. And just as a general thought here, anybody with the, with the name of Romney has, has no business being anywhere in leadership in our party right now. But again, as somebody who has given thousands of dollars to Republican candidates, I want to know what's the money being used for? 844-747-8868. Let's go to the phone. Star in Gainesville, Georgia, WDUN. All right, Star, what's on your mind?
6: What's on my mind, Todd, is that I would like to challenge every American out there, everyone that believes in a constitutional republic that now visiting their families and friends over the holidays that you explain to them what the difference between the two parties are, what the differences between the Republican party and their ideals in a constitutional Republic and representation for all people and versus what the democrat party has become where we have elected now uh, a communist to represent the state of georgia i talked to a lot of people before thanksgiving and they said that they didn't think that their vote really mattered because both parties were corrupt i have to agree with them on that however when i went to cast my ballot yesterday was herschel the best candidate no, but I knew in my heart of hearts that Herschel would represent the state and would represent the ideals that I believed in versus someone that was quite vocally a communist. And now we have to live with that here in Georgia for the next six
1: years. And a guy who beat but, his wife. I mean, he, he ran over his wife or tried to run over his wife. I mean, this, it's not like you know this is some sort of a pure spirit here. But the problem is, Starr, and again, it— you, you hate to go back to all of this, but if Herschel Walker you know, when they decided, when Trump decided Herschel's going to be our guy, what Herschel was obligated to do was to stand, have a big press conference, and say, you know what, folks, you're about to jump into my background, and here's what here's what I did, here's who but here's who I here is who I am now. And and this is why I'm a different man. But star they didn't do that, and so then the voters retreated to every week a drip, drip, drip. And that's not going to impact the Republic you know, the diehard conservative Republicans who that's their guy. But it is going to impact it is going to impact the independent voters. It's going to impact the black female voters, who, by the way, is a massive voting block in your state. But they didn't do that. And there were just a lot of errors, a lot of problems. Uh, the campaign was just not poorly, was not was not run well. But ultimately...
6: Some of that does go back to what the media wants you to hear about. the sure. candidates. Everything I had heard from Herschel before this, he'd been very honest about his uh, background. But... You know, the media takes it and runs with it and creates something completely different. And that's why it's up to us as individuals to go back to canvassing door, by, door to door and explaining to our neighbors why we are a Republican, what that means and what that stands for against communism.
1: I, I'm with you, Star. Look, any vote against communism is a good vote, in my estimation. And um, but unfortunately, it just wasn't enough. But to say that you know Trump has destroyed the party—that was a pretty darn close race. And my question is: if in fact the establishment Republicans in Georgia had truly gotten behind Herschel Walker, would that have made the difference? That's the the big question right now. But well, what,
6: what scares me more is what is the Democrat machine doing? That the Republican Get Out the Vote effort failed at,
1: and, it, that's, and that's, a that's a great question,
6: question
1: for me. That, that's yeah. Star. Thank you for the call, and that is a great question. So, Rhonda McDaniel was asked about this. Um, what are we doing? What do, How do we? How do we get better? What's the winning formula? Here's what Rhonda said. Cut four.
0: What are you going to do differently for 2024 cycle than you did in 2022 in terms of getting the cars you want on the track that you built?
4: Well, I do think the changes we've made since I've been chair, especially these first two years, because we had the White House, the first four. But this has really been my time to to do these changes. Voter registration, Mm -hmm. these community centers, the outreach, uh, continuing to do election integrity. Because the Democrats are masters
0: at collecting ballots.
4: Yeah, and we did that, too, in California. I mean, listen, we just flipped Duarte because we did ballot harvesting. Montana, we did ballot harvesting. There's a lot of miscommunication, and a big part of it is looking at and assessing Dobbs was a big factor. The youth vote, we're not on TikTok.
1: We're not on TikTok. So that's the problem. Who would have thought? We've spent hundreds of millions of dollars, and the reason why Republicans, the reason why you people out there are not winning races is because you're not on TikTok. Just go ahead and turn over all your data to the communist. But by golly, that's going to get the Republicans' victories. That's what Ronnie McDaniel says, the leader of the RNC. Are you buying any of this, ladies and gentlemen? 844-747-8868. That's 844-747-8868. What about MySpace?
7: I'm Grace Baker with The Todd Starn Show, and folks, I've got a story to tell you. You know how much I love Merlot and how I want her to be around for a very long time. So Todd Starnes recommended I start giving her pomade supplements. I already have started seeing her happier even during cloudy days and it's made a world of difference in her overall well-being.
1: So why does Grace need to supplement Merlot's diet? Well, because they do the same thing to pet food that they do to most human food these days. They strip it of all the vitamins, minerals, nutrients that your dog needs to be healthy. Imagine your pet suffering because of a poor diet, being unable to tell you. Well, I know you want to avoid that, so I want to tell you about Longevity Formula from PawMade. It's an all-natural health supplement for dogs made with 23 dog-friendly superfoods to keep your pup healthy and strong. Veterinarian-approved longevity formula boosts nutrient intake, protects against toxins, and guards against premature aging. And that's important because aside from poor diet, toxins like pesticides, mold, and air pollution, they can all harm your pup's health. But longevity formula contains special toxin-fighting nutrients to protect your dog so they can live a long, happy life by your side. These include premium-quality superfoods like organic mushrooms, kelp, goji berry, and two kinds of probiotics, and many more. Right now, there's a limited-time offer exclusively for our listeners. For every purchase of Longevity Formula, you'll receive a free bottle of Pawmade's Hip and Joint Formula. To claim your offer, go to pawmade.com/tod Todd, or call toll-free pawmade. That's P-A-W-M-A-D-E dot com slash Todd, or call 833 PAWMADE. All right, good to have you with us, ladies and gentlemen. I am Todd Starnes, and we are going to fix what's broken with the Republican Party. You know, one of the one of the best ways that we could do this and and really do it in a quick way is simply cut off the money. Now, I know that many of you out there are not the big dollar donors to the Republican Party, but they do count on your donations. And the best way to send a message is to say, you know what, we're not going to we're just not going to give you any more money until you fix what's broken. And one way to do that is to make sure nobody with the last name of Romney ever is put into a leadership position again. Lee Zeldin, the outgoing congressman from New York, says that he will not run for the RNC chair, but he says that Rana Romney McDaniel has to go. Zeldin called, and by the way, and here's the reason why he's not running. He says the fix for McDaniel is already in. Harmy Dillon is running, and we're going to play some audio from her in just a moment. But Zeldin says that there is so much money and so much power at stake here. There's no way to oust McDaniel from her position. And what is McDaniel's solution? She says that if Republicans really want to start winning, we're going to have to get out the youth vote, and we're going to have to get we're going to have to get on TikTok. Well, first of all, when was the last time the youth vote actually swung an election? aside from the midterms, where you had a substantial number of young people coming out to vote. But to that point, okay, let's take a look at those Republican or conservative youth organizations. Turning Point USA, they throw a great conference, a great convention, but what else, is that all they're good for? Because they did nothing to get out the vote. What about Young America's Foundation? What are they doing to get out the vote? But more importantly, what are they doing to educate next-generation voters about what it means to be a Republican? What are they doing there? For that matter, what's the Republican Party doing? They've got a whole youth outreach division. Ronna McDaniel's been in charge. She's 0-5. She has not won an election cycle yet. So what are they waiting on? And by the way, really you think you think getting on TikTok is going to seriously win you elections? You may as well get on Tumblr or Pinterest. Grace check and see if the Republicans have a Pinterest account.
7: Working on it. Todd. We need a, working on it.
1: We need a good recipe for cocktails or something, you know. Yeah,
7: honestly, after those midterms, we really do.
1: It's it's insane because when you look at when you when you look at the lay of the land here, the Republicans throw great parties. They great do. cocktail parties. But I'm telling you, they're not getting a single penny from me.
7: No, they like the country clubs. They like the country clubs.
1: I'm tired of my money going to support establishment, pro-abortion, pro-this, pro-that. I want a candidate who's going to defend the party platform.
7: Money talks. That's it. Make it talk. Make it yell.
1: There you go. All right. Thank you, Grace Baker. 844-747-8868. Were you surprised at the results last night? 844-747-8868. Lee Zeldin writing on Twitter, I won't be running for RNC chair at this time with McDaniel's reelection pre-baked by design, but that does not mean she should even be running again. Zeldin goes on to say here, and this is uh, from Politico, change is desperately needed, and there are many leaders, myself included, ready and willing to step up to ensure our party retools and transforms as critical elections fast approach, namely the 2024 presidential and congressional races. Folks, if we keep doing what we're doing now, we're going to be blown out in 2024. Zeldin wrote to RNC leaders last month, laying out the case for his potential bid. He came within six points of beating Kathy Hochul in Blue State, New York. Quote, no matter what, I am committed to doing absolutely everything in my power to help save our country with every ounce of my energy. Zeldin urged the party to develop its fundraising apparatus, bolster its ballot collection and election integrity efforts, and build its grassroots after Republicans fared worse than expected across the nation on Election Day. And again, Trump says Trump has been out there from day one saying no to early voting. Zeldin says the better path forward would be for Chairwoman McDaniel to listen and respect the wishes of the actual grassroots voters of our party and allow the RNC to forge ahead with new leadership. Her greatest service to the Republican Party at this time would be to make room for a new chair. Harmeet Dillon, cut number 11. Is it true that you plan to run for RNC chair?
4: Well, Tucker, I'm going to announce tonight that actually I am going to run for RNC chair. And the reason is that, you know, to play off of a famous catchphrase, Republicans are tired of losing. And I think that we really need to radically reshape our leadership in order to win. And we can't keep running elections like we did in the 90s and the 2000s. And we really have to modernize to compete with the Democrats dollar for dollar in the ways they fundraise, the way they deliver their ballots to the ballot boxes. Our messaging needs to be fresh and positive and not just reactive to news cycles and what the Democrats are doing. And I think that the party needs to realize that the party has become a populist party. The base of the party demands populist messages that speak to them, and not Chamber of Commerce messages, not neocon messages, not warmonger messages. And I'm afraid that the base of our party is not getting what it needs from our leadership. And so after three successive rounds of really disappointing results, Tucker, I'm a member of the RNC, and no other member is stepping up to challenge leadership, and our current leadership has never been challenged for the chair job, and I think that challenge and competition is very good. And so I'm hoping to gain the support of grassroots Americans who do not like the direction of the party and its leadership. They need to contact the 168 members of the RNC in their states and territories.
1: And, and she's right. And I've already contacted mine here in Tennessee and, you know, her meet Dylan. She's got my support. She's been out there fighting. She is an Indian American. Uh, she is, um, a great conservative leader and she's been fighting for Republicans she's also a national committee woman from the Republic, from the great state of california she's a great attorney she's been out there fighting for civil liberties all over america and i think that she could maybe help shake things up a little bit but what I'd say you ladies and gentlemen how do we stop the leftist takeover of America. 844-747-8868. Let's go to the phones. Collierville, Tennessee. Justin listening to us on KWAM. Hey, Justin, what's on your mind today?
8: Hey, Todd. Uh, Just kind of alluding to your uh, comment earlier about uh, trying to get the base of the Republicans out. Um, Just kind of go back to the earlier comment is, I think your average day middle-class Republican feels like this whole party is stuck with inside the um, country club. Like, why are we not doing what the uh, Democrats do is they're out in the streets. Like they shake every single Bush trying to get a voter. Um, And maybe if we did that, if we took a grassroots approach, uh, maybe even collaborating with other like civic groups and stuff that we would see more of a turnout from our base. Because right now, um your average day middle class uh voter we feel we feel left out
1: you know that's an interesting thing you you bring up justin uh, and you have to go all the way back really to the 1970s when the republican party was in the in the mainstream a chamber of commerce Political party, and there was no room for the blue collar workers. Uh, there really was no room for the evangelical Christians, and that's what gave birth, you know, with Jerry Falwell the uh, senior, the Moral Majority, and and that that coalition of blue collar workers and the the evangelical Christians. Really shook up the party, and they're the ones that elected Ronald Reagan. And, and you might remember the term, uh, Reagan, Reagan Democrats. Uh, these were grandmas and grandpas. Uh, my parents, who were former Democrats, turned completely off by Jimmy Carter and his failed policies, and they became Republicans. Now, that, that was an ugly marriage with the Republicans and and the party's never gotten over that. And there's always been tension and it goes all the way back to Ronald Reagan had the chamber of commerce folks had their preference. It would not have been Ronald Reagan. Uh, It would have been Gerald Ford or it would have been George HW Bush as their nominee. So, so this fight's been going on for a long time. What are you from a very practical standpoint, Justin in Collierville, Tennessee, what would you like to see your local Republicans do?
8: I would like to see my actual local Republicans uh, just be more part of the community that we're already in uh, and just step up. If they would just stick to the conservative values of uh, what makes our party, because I think this is basically a, a no-brainer. Uh, these are all the kitchen table issues that we all, uh, we all discuss. And I think if they would stick to those points, um, I think you would change the party you would see a lot more participation, uh, and you would see a lot more Republicans that would sit at home that would actually get out to vote.
1: There you go. Justin, I, I think that's a brilliant thought, and I appreciate you calling in. And, and, folks, I hope your local Republican parties are listening, because this is not just a national issue. It goes all the way down to the local issue. It, go, it goes down to the local Republican parties. We're going to have to reshape and rebuild everything. Now, I want to go back and, and remind folks about – a man who would have been a great candidate uh, in Georgia. His name was Kel- his name is Kelvin King. He is a a black conservative. He has uh, been bo- born and raised in Georgia, Macon, Georgia. Served honorably in the United States Air Force. He is a businessman. Owns a very large construction company there in Georgia. He is uh, married. Has a, a beautiful family. Uh, they are incredibly involved in a very large church uh, there in the Atlanta area. And Kelvin was a regular on this program uh, as he was uh, throwing his uh, name into the hat to represent Georgia in the U.S. Senate. But again, Kelvin King was shoved aside. This, This man would have been the perfect candidate, the perfect nominee. But he wasn't Donald Trump's pick. And I will say this about President Trump, who we love, but your you can have great friends, but sometimes those great friends do not make great candidates. And if you look at look at what happened with Dr. Oz, and now look what's happened with Herschel Walker. So again, it was it was a missed opportunity here. We've got to play smart politics, but it's not just about candidate quality, and you're going to be hearing that word a lot. Candidate quality. It's not just about that it's also about the fundraising apparatus where is the money going and a lot of it as Newt Gingrich said is going to the consultant class so a, an overwhelming amount of the money that you're giving to these candidates the candidates are not getting these are going to these campaign funds or and these uh, uh, these K Street operators in Washington DC these people who are running the political campaigns and they're they're getting filthy rich off of our money. And they're giving the candidates horrible advice. So, again, a lot to unravel. And we're going to do this in the lead-up to 2024 because we got to fix this. And, And you say, well, Todd, why are we putting the effort? Because we have to, ladies and gentlemen. This is it. There are no other United States of America out there. This is it. This is the hill to die on. We've got to fight here for our country. And if we don't fight... And if we don't fix what is broken in Washington, D.C. and what is broken in our own communities, we are going to always lose the fight. And we can't do that. 844-747-8868. That's our number. That's 844-747-8868. We're going to your calls right after this. Pillow is excited to announce the original My slippers are back in stock just in time for the holidays. Last Christmas, you made our slippers the number one selling Pillow product, and now they've added smaller sizes, larger sizes, and even wider sizes in all new colors. What makes MySlippers different is the exclusive four-layer design that you're not going to find in any other slippers. MySlippers patented layers make them ultra comfortable, extremely durable, and they help relieve stress on your feet from all the running around this holiday. You can wear them anytime anywhere and save $90 off with promo code STARS. That's only $49.98 a pair. You'll absolutely love My Slippers, and now they're extending their 60 day money back guarantee until March 1st, 2023, making them the best Christmas gift ever. So go to mypello.com and use promo code STARNS or call 1 800 839 8506 promo code STARNS to save $90 on the original My Slippers. That's only $49.98 a pair. All right ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Hang in there America. It's it's going to be okay. We're going to get through it. We got to have these ugly, you know, nasty talks and conversations. We got to but we got to work our way through this. And if we're able to do it, the Republicans, it's sort of like um a come to Jesus intervention. And that's what we're trying to do here. Let's go to David in North Carolina. WSJS is our great affiliate there. All right, David, what's on your mind?
9: Uh, Number one, complete agreement with you about Herschel Walker. Uh, Who in the world selected this man?
1: Donald Trump (laughs) did.
9: Yeah, and well, yeah, we don't need to talk about him, I guess, at this point. But um, yeah, obviously, a man whose credentials for anti-abortion are at least in question, (laughs) to say the least. Number two, a man who was uh, guilty uh, of violence against his spouse and others. So, yeah, I mean, you saw it, you know, ahead of time. I saw it. And uh, it's amazing he got 48% of the vote, to be honest with you. Stunning. Anyway, it's stunning. And I'm not so sure that's a compliment (laughs) to some of the Republican voters. And as you mentioned, that's because sometimes they act like a nation of sheep. Vote for whomever we tell you to vote for. So you're right, 100% right. If you'd been in charge of that, maybe we would have won. Okay, number 2, uh Generation Z, just wanted to bring that up. We uh, Generation Z is not exactly in our corner. I don't have any empirical proof of that, but I think you would agree that uh from what we know, anecdotal circumstances like my son, uh they are don't uh react well to some of the uh ideas put forth uh by the republican party
1: david Uh, how do we reach gen z how do we get them on our side
9: i think that uh change the message a little bit um for example a number of them want to start small businesses and the the democratic party has fallen down on that if you remember they were attempting to support african-american farmers and Biden said he couldn't get it done. So I think small businesses, many of them want to go into small businesses, so why not indicate that the Republican Party certainly does support small businesses? Number two, what about Social Security? I know this is the third rail of <laughs> politics, but basically people like my son, they're supporting me with no hope of ever seeing Social Security, all the money they put in uh it's simply going to the older generation. Can't we do something to, uh, um, help them believe that they're not paying money, uh, throwing money, uh, away, uh, at least away from them, away from their future? Um, they want good wages. There's nothing wrong with, with that.
1: Well, let me jump in here, David, because we're going to be running up against the top of the hour here, and and I want to try to to address some of the things you said. Look, I think you're right. We are losing Gen Z, and that's because we have abdicated our control and authority of the public school system. These kids have been radicalized, and we're looking at at least the past twenty years of radicalization. It is a shocking thing, and we've got to get a we've got to fix that, and that is going to be a long term process. You know, the the other part of this is. We've got to elect. We've got to have smart candidates out there. And I will say, I think you're right about this, that if, if they had come to me and said, Todd, who do you like out of all of this bunch of candidates? I would have told them that my guy, who my guy was, and I think my guy would have won. And that is Kelvin King. Uh, the guy is just rock solid. But you know what happened, David? My guy didn't win. So did I just pack up and go home and, and sit in the corner and sulk? No. No. I got behind Herschel Walker. And, and, and that is the problem here, folks. The establishment people will not do that. If their guy loses, that's it. Game over. They want everybody destroyed. I mean, come on. All right, hang tight. Rita, Jerry, we're going to get to your calls. we got to take a break. This is the Todd Stern Show.
0: Live from the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's America's conservative blowtorch.
3: That's us, that's right. I love this American ride. Todd Starnes.
8: Big um, question, I've been getting pinged by this all day, is this uh, RNC leadership question, because Mm -hmm. a lot of Republicans are worried because they think, you know, we're glad they won the House, and a couple more seats look like they're picked up. We're going to talk to John Duarte in a we, minute. We but won in who, California, who, who, again? who do you think now should take over as RNC chair? We, I like Ronda McDaniel a lot personally. I think she's, she's a great person. I like her. Harmeet Dillon is a young California, female, think, yep. California, uh, obviously Indian American.
10: Look, What's I like thought? Harmeet. She, she's my national commitment. I think she does a tremendous job. But I think Rhonda did a tremendous job, too. Look. Would you look across the country? you don't think every change? every Republican entity lost except the house. I've been leader for four years. We've won every single time.
8: What about early voting for those Senate races? She could have helped on that right?
10: I've watched her down doing it. The one thing I see happening the Senate lost the the governor's lost, the president lost. But the House has won in both cycles. Even the, we picked up in California, we picked up in Oregon, we picked up in New York. We we won five seats that Biden won by more than 10 points. We beat the D Triple C chair. That hasn't happened in 42 years. I think the quality of the candidate matters. We could have done better in Pennsylvania with a better governor candidate there. It cost us then. But look, I saw the resources there. I saw the engagement in there. And the RNC is a small group of individuals, of committee men yeah. and committee women. I think, Do you think they got to look
1: Welcome to the Todd Stearns Radio Program. Happy to have you with us today. That conversation last night, Laura Ingram and Kevin McCarthy, who wants to be the next Speaker of the House. And it sure sounds like to me that he is endorsing Ronna Romney McDaniel. I know she stopped dropping the name, but we know who you are, Ronna. We know where you go for Thanksgiving dinner ronna romney mcdaniel looks like he's giving her a big thumbs thumbs up all right we got a lot of folks on the hold don't go anywhere we want to get to your calls but i want to go right now to the patriot mobile newsmaker line we're honored to have with us from the great commonwealth of pennsylvania he is the chairman of the house freedom caucus congressman scott perry congressman thanks for coming on the show today
3: absolutely todd and uh great to be with you i I would say this i just listened to the conversation that you played Look, Chuck Schumer has uh, has been wildly successful in the Senate and and uh and, and he's being rewarded for it. In the in the House, the Democrats uh, they they exceeded their expectations. Let's let's look at the environment that we had to to run in. But at, uh, at every single level there's really never been a more favorable environment in your lifetime to run as a Republican. Um, Democrats overperformed their expectations. What did they do? They changed their entire leadership team because it still wasn't enough. Now, on our side, you know, we're, we're, I guess we we're, we're, we we can't be bothered to listen to what Albert Einstein said. He said, doing the same things and expecting different outcomes is the definition of insanity. So we have the same people under the same conditions doing the same things. And what do we think is going to change? Uh, I, I, I struggle with it. It, it. You know, what we have to do quite honestly, Todd, I think is divorce ourselves. Uh, at, you know, this is business. So yeah, we like Rana. She's a nice lady. Uh, I- I'm not out here to trash her or anything like that, but, But we have to have results. In corporations, there are probably a lot of nice people there, but stockholders and shareholders demand results. They they don't care if you're going to go golfing with them. What they care about is if you're going to increase the value of their portfolio because they invested in you and your company because they believed you were going to increase the value of their portfolio. Unfortunately, we haven't increased the value of our portfolio as far as I can tell.
1: Yeah, I haven't. I haven't either, uh, Congressman. And I, I'm telling you, Laura Ingram, I think she summed it up very well last night. She said she was pissed, and I got to tell you, I am too. And a lot of my listeners are just angry. They're tired of losing.
3: Yeah, we're all tired of loo- losing. And I, I would say this as well, uh, where where we picked up. Look, we picked up in New York. Thank you, Lee Zeldin, for running one heck of a campaign. In difficult conditions, but you know he probably would have won had all the New Yorkers that traditionally could have voted for him hadn't uh, hadn't moved to Florida. You had Florida. Uh, that's that's Ron DeSantis. But other than that, it was down to each individual candidate. So if you have good candidates, you can win in, even in tough seats. But here's what we were missing, Todd. In my opinion, any overall messaging tied to results from Mitch McConnell and leadership in the House. Uh, there was there was no messaging. And if there was, it came very late in the cycle. We were already voting in Pennsylvania when we actually got the message of what Republicans are for. And we squandered two years in multiple opportunities of leverage to show what we would do if we had authority. Uh, we squandered those opportunities. We didn't get any gains. Yet we said to people, well, come out and vote for us. Here's what they did, Todd. They said, look, the Democrats and the left are destroying the country. I can't vote for them. Uh, these guys aren't much better, but I can't vote for those other guys. There was no enthusiasm because none was earned.
1: It just seems to me, Congressman, and, and I think the Georgia race really encapsulates the broader issue here of what's happening. We we had a candidate problem there, and I, I, I was pretty open about that early on. Um, the way they rolled Herschel out, uh, it should have been done in a very different way to address all of the skeletons that were in the closet instead of the daily drip that we got in the media. Uh, But beyond that, the messaging, like you just said, was all over the place. I mean, they're talking about uh, kale chips. That was Senator John Kennedy uh, trying to make some point. They were talking about all sorts of stuff other than the issues that were impacting people at their homes. But again, in spite of all of that, he did really well. And you have to wonder, Congressman, if the establishment Republicans in Georgia had just gotten on board that campaign, would that have been enough to push Herschel Walker over the over the finish line?
3: Well, look, he, he was behind, but it ended up a couple points, right? A couple points at, at the end of the thing. You look at um, how the campaign was run, certainly a factor. The candidate is indeed a factor. I think Herschel got better over time. But uh, the, the spending, the, the, the resources, uh, three, four to one, these are huge sums of money. Um, you know, you're right. Look, you can't, as a candidate, think that the truth's not going to come out. The truth, the information, the skeletons, whatever you want to call them, it's going to come out just resign yourself to it the best thing to do get it out early deal with it and then move on but if you think that you're just going to keep hiding it and run from it you're a fool and that's why candidate selection is important we have to have people look these are high stakes races um, uh, you know I'm one that that believes that the the nationalization of senate races has destroyed uh you know our ability to pick the right senators from our states that's another topic but We have to select candidates that know how to do this. And, you know, look, we had a candidate in Pennsylvania, a nice person, capable, uh, you know, in many arenas. But you don't go on the television talking about crudities. People in Pennsylvania that don't live on the main line in Philadelphia don't understand what you're talking about. If you say vegetable tray, they get it. But you don't you shouldn't have to be told that if you have to be told that there's a problem.
1: So Rana Rana's got to go, and and again, I'm sure a very nice person. Uh, we've always been, she's been cordial to us, but she's got to go. We need new leadership. Where do you stand on Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House?
3: Right now, we are trying to find out if he will support the things that uh, that need to change. Again, we can't have Todd the same people under the same conditions doing the same things and expect a different outcome. Something has to change there. Either the conditions. The people or the circumstances, something has to change. That's that's what I can say. There, we've got some time left on the runway here before we got to take off on January third. But if something doesn't change there, uh, you're, you're going to see you're going to see things that haven't been seen in America for about a hundred years.
1: Now you've got uh, folks out there, uh, Mark Levin, uh, the talk radio host, uh, really just saying horrible things about Andy Biggs, uh, basically accusing him of not even being a conservative. Um, and others are saying the House Freedom Caucus is going to hand the speakership to Liz Cheney. Uh, how do you respond to these, uh, you know, th- this hate that's being directed at you guys?
3: Yeah, this is how I respond. Uh, th- there are forces within Washington D.C. that are wedded and invested in the status quo, and what they are trying to do, and sometimes successfully, is put the fear that somehow Democrats are going to be elected. Uh, Democrats going to be elected speaker. Todd, the only way that happens. There's only one w- only one way that can happen is if Republicans vote for a Democrat. Now they put that story out there over and over again. Some people pick it up, some people talk about it, but no one puts names and faces with the uh, uh, with the claim. So I asked. There was one guy. His story was was written about one representative that he would work with Democrats. I went and asked him, "Are you going to vote for a Democrat for Speaker?" He said, "Absolutely not. I don't like what you're doing, but I'm never voting for a Democrat." It's just using fear to try and make sure that the establishment and the status quo remains. It is unacceptable. It is unsustainable.
1: And and even if that were true, that would be the proof that that would be the last the last line. I mean, that's it. You know, again, that you would have Republicans voting with Democrats. Um, But again, uh, Congressman, you guys are very effective. And that's why they're coming uh, after the House Freedom Caucus.
3: Yeah, uh, look, we... uh, we're in good faith trying to change the way things are done so we don't have the same outcome at the end of this year. And right now, no one, no one that wants to be in leadership at the top has given us a vision of how they're going to do that. It's essentially, trust me, it's essentially vote for me now and trust that uh, we will do these things in the future. Todd, we have played that game over and over again, and we, you know— Uh, In my time, we've added, I don't know, $14 trillion or more in debt during the same period of time where I heard the same rhetoric, whether it was John Boehner or Paul Ryan. I'm sorry. The American people can no longer sustain this. There's got to be something that's that's changed here in the equation, or we're going to keep coming up with the same outcome. And if the Freedom Caucus is the only one willing to do the hard work to save the republic – well, so be it. The Lord sent us here to do this job. They didn't say it was going to be easy or comfortable or whatever, but it has to be done.
1: And Congressman, real quick here, uh, the the list of things that you, the demands uh, that you guys have given to Kevin McCarthy are. Are you able to share any of those things that you want to see happen?
3: Well, I'm gonna. I'm just going to share a couple that I think you'll understand. Your audience will understand because some of this stuff is inside baseball. But accountability. So under Speaker Boehner, we had a thing called the motion to vacate the chair. That's essentially uh, you get enough votes, you don't like the speaker, you can throw the speaker out. When Nancy Pelosi came in, she got rid of that. We have effectively enshrined that in the rules now in the Republican House. It is unacceptable. There must be accountability for the person that sits in, in the seat three steps from the presidency. That's number one. Number two, earmarks. We had gotten rid of earmarks, and now they're back. We cannot sustain this unbridled spending and the coercion that goes with earmarks. And then finally, the ability to have single-subject bills. We see it right now with the national defense authorization being Christmas-treated with a whole bunch of uh, items that have nothing to do with national defense because it's a must-pass bill. And, of course, if you vote against it, you're voting against the troop. But if you vote for it, you're bankrupting the country and destroying our culture. That stuff must end. These seem like reasonable, easy asks for us. And uh, and all members should be supportive of that. And if a leader can't support those things, if the leader's too insecure to support those things, then maybe they shouldn't be the leader.
1: And and in closing here, Congressman, if the vote were held today for McCarthy, how many no votes from the Freedom Caucus do you believe the, that um, that that he would get?
3: Well, Todd, you understand tactics and strategy, and everybody and everything in Washington, D.C. is about counting the numbers or counting the money. So I can assure you that right now, Kevin McCarthy does not have the votes needed to become speaker at this moment.
1: All right, we're going to leave it there. Uh, Congressman, we really do appreciate a refreshing perspective on things here because you're right. We've got we got to have some changes. Uh, you've got our support, Congressman, and uh, we appreciate you. Thank you,
3: sir. God bless you and your audience.
1: All right, uh, Congressman Scott Perry. Wow, you can tell that he's fired up, and I'm glad to hear somebody is. But look, don't believe all of this hullabaloo, and there's a lot of it. Uh, people out there saying, "Well, if 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 McCarthy doesn't get the votes, you're going to have the Republicans. Uh, they're going to side with the Democrats, and Liz Cheney's no. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. Don't believe it." We've got to have a leadership change, and God bless the House Freedom Caucus for having the courage to stand up not only to the leftist in the mainstream media, but also the conservative media. All right, we're going to get to your calls. Mark in Atlanta, John in North Carolina, Jerry in Iowa. Hang tight, 844-747-8868. That's our number. We'll be right back. All right, folks, as promised, let's get to the phones here. 844-747-8868. Let's go to Mark in Atlanta. Mark, I understand you have a bee in your bonnet about a previous caller.
11: Yeah, I I, I do, Todd. I, I am. Um, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate your show, obviously, and I appreciate uh, Congressman Perry's comments. But, you know, I go to a church you're very familiar with here in Atlanta, and I heard um, Herschel Walker speak twice at length about every issue we could possibly throw at him, and he was not only articulate, I believe he's a blood-bought Christian, and I believe he has no interest at all in the abortion industry. And we talk about having the perfect candidate and the right candidate, and I, I think the enemy is perfectly capable of taking the perfect candidate and making them a demon. You, you know, we we were looking at uh, Herschel Walker versus... A guy who calls himself a preacher, loves Louis Farrakhan, is an anti-Semite, and believes in abortion on, on demand.
1: Didn't pay How child did that support.
11: How could not be a better candidate?
1: Yeah, didn't pay Pardon? child support, ran over his wife's no. foot.
11: But when you have ads on TV that are five to one, constantly beating up on Herschel, most of them you can't even uh, address because there's so many of them. You know I mean look at look at Dr. Oz. was Dr. Oz not a better candidate and better woman? I mean come on, the guy's brain dead basically and, I, and I'm trying and I'm being generous. You, you know we, I've heard people in, in in Atlanta and surrounding areas talk about well, Herschel was inarticulate, inarticulate. If you saw his debate, you'd know he's articulate, and anyone that's ever heard of the great John Lua knows that inarticulate doesn't mean a whole lot around here. I mean, if you heard John Lewis talk, you know that, that Herschel Walker's far more articulate than that.
1: Well, and you've
11: got Hank, problem
1: yeah, and you got Hank Johnson, the congressman in Atlanta
11: that's who, exactly who right. believes you know, that uh,
1: islands can yeah, turn upside down yeah We're well, winner yeah, there.
11: I, you know I, I, my, my whole problem with the, with the comment is we're not ever going to have the perfect candidate. They're going to beat them around the head, neck and shoulders. Our problem is not Donald Trump either. Donald Trump is the only person since Reagan in my lifetime that showed the Republicans how to fight. They need to take lessons from him and learn from him and not argue with him and talk about throwing him under the bus every two minutes.
1: Well, they're not going to do, do that, Mark. No, no. no. Not- Mark, let me stop you there. They're not going to do that. They are going to destroy Donald Trump. That's the whole point every, of every, Republican and every, leadership.
11: And it's and, and Todd it's usually our own faults doing it. I mean, you know, we need to get rid of the Romney class of Republicans or the same thing is going to happen continuously over and over again. Because our fight is not with, well, it is with the enemy, the Democrats, the enemy, they fight with clubs, we fight with wooden spoons. But we've got as many subversives within our own party as we do on the outside. At least we know who the enemy is when I look at Democrats. I mean, where was McConnell in this race? Did you see him? Well, he Everybody he, said Trump was toxic, so he wasn't supposed to come to the party. So he didn't, he stayed out of the way. And every mainstream Republican you can name came into this state to vouch for Herschel Walker. But I don't hear them taking credit for the defeat yesterday. Is it possible Mark and I've got about we've got about economy. 10
1: seconds here, about 10 seconds, but do you think really that it was the establishment Republicans in your state, the Lieutenant Governor that did him in?
11: I think he's his mouth got the best of him and they made sure they they spouted what he said at every turn yes sir
1: and and let me tell you something mark i we was don't. watching cnn last night the lieutenant governor spouted over and over and over and over and over again uh, that guy's a rhino mark good observations folks what say you 844 747 this is the todd stern show have you done your grocery shop or grocery shopping your christmas shopping grace baker
7: todd i've bought like one thing and it was for my dog
1: may i just ask an awkward question here what the heck bumper music was that?
7: That was "Wonderful Christmas Time" by oh Paul McCartney. Lord. It's one of my favorite Christmas oh songs. of my, my mom tell me hates know. it.
1: Yes, I'm with I'm with I'm with the mom. I'm with mother producer.
7: I love that song. Wow. All
1: right. Yeah. No. I I just noticed here around Memphis, not many people are out shopping as as normal.
7: I do most of my shopping online. You do
1: it on online. Yes. Apparently, Amazon was down earlier today. It was people were oh, freaking no. out.
7: no! I bet. That's a global crisis right Indeed. there. Indeed.
1: All right. Thank you, Grace. All right. Let's go to the phones here. 844-747-8868. Uh, John in North Carolina, WHKP. John, what's on your mind?
11: Hey, Todd. I agree with uh, everything you've said today about saving the Republican Party. Um, we're in an impasse, uh, and this is the hill to die on. Uh, if, if we don't save it, uh, we'll never be uh, the majority in power again, and we've got less than two years to get it right. And that's—I don't know if that's going to be enough time, you know, to fix it. You talk about cutting the money off, and that's a great idea, but there'll still be so much money coming in uh, from the globalist, from Wall Street, from corporate America. Uh, the GOP, uh, you know, is going to continue to, you know, to to be the ones in power.
1: John, it's, we're, it's a little bit of tough love is what we're trying to implement here. And if the, the best way to do that is to immediately cut off all funding and to give them a call and let, let them know, hey, look, I support you guys, but I'm not giving you any more money until we get new leadership. And it's incredibly important to call your committee members uh, and you can find that information on your state GOP uh, website uh, but you got to call your committee members and tell them we got to have a change at the RNC that that's just got to happen uh, John appreciate that call 844-747-8868 let's go to Jerry in Iowa hey Jerry what's up
5: oh hey brother I'm uh Mr. Perry is quite right uh something does have to change and I'm going to call it out as that uh poisonous strategy called lesser of two evils take herschel walker for a very good example was herschel walker a good candidate um well people like me and there's more of us that no longer matters to me at all all i care about his is his character his conscience and herschel walker is a good man the harsh reality is the people did not want a good person like herschel walker they wanted the values of warnock um, so I no longer vote for a winner. I did that for a lot of years. Um, so I vote my conscience because only God is watching me. And if I could, uh, I don't care about electable. Um, and, I, if you know, if the rhinos don't want my vote, then we can just all go down the ship together because um, I don't care if a person is a good candidate. I like a normal guy who's, who loves the Lord or woman and I am just not paying attention to optics anymore. So, uh, Herschel Walker, buddy, you are a good man, and don't change. So,
1: Jerry, um, there was a, there was a, you, there was a time in, in American political history when there really wasn't that much wiggle room between Republicans and, and Democrats, aside from one specific issue. And if you go back to the nineteen sixties, I mean, in essence, uh, the argument could be made that JFK would have been a, a moderate Republican uh, if he were alive today. Uh, but the the big difference between Republicans and Democrats happened to be the civil rights issue. Uh, that was the big dividing factor between the two political parties. But for really generations, I mean, going back as as far as you can remember, pretty much they agreed on the big issues of the day. It's not like that anymore. There are no there are no folks in the middle. You're you're either on the right or you're on the left, and that's it. But now you've got these establishment Republicans that are, are wielding the power they have. And they're telling folks, it's it, at least in the Republican Party, it's their way or the highway. And if, if our candidates don't win, we're not going to lift a finger to help you. But if our candidates are the nominees, then you better shut up and you better get behind them. I mean, that's their philosophy that, in life.
5: That, that game's over. So, by the way, I'm named after a, a civil uh, North, Northern Civil War a veteran, and I just want to say that one thing you, wonderful Southerners, had right was the states' rights thing. And indeed, all of us went back to go back to the original thirteen states. And um, so I think it's pretty much back to principle now. And no, I don't compromise with rhinos anymore. I did that for a couple decades. So they can we can just all lose the rest. The rhinos don't want to be elected. They're just going to have to try harder to get my vote because I'll write in a good person, and I can lose. I know how to lose. I've been doing that for a long time. It wasn't. It's an honor to vote for good people, even if they don't win.
1: It's a fair point, Jerry. appreciate Appreciate the call and thank you for listening. Um, so, folks, all and we got a lot of work to do and not a lot of time to do it. But all that to say is that yeah, we can fix this, but it's going to require the fortitude of someone like a Congressman Scott Perry, who says, you know what. We've got the votes to stop McCarthy from being elected speaker. We've got a list of demands. And I like those demands because again, if they're, if the Republicans are going to be anything, they've got to be fiscally responsible. And if they're not going to be fiscally responsible, then what's the point of having a political party? Seriously. What is, what is the point? If they're not going to at least agree that we've got to live within our means as a nation. So I salute the House Freedom Caucus. You're going to hear them called every name under the book over the next couple of weeks. But they're going to stand their ground. They're demanding concessions from Kevin McCarthy, and if McCarthy doesn't give them what they want, they're not going to, he's not going to get their votes. And that's how we've got to do it. We've got to play hardball with our own party now. We we just got to do it. All right, 844-747-8868. That is our toll-free telephone number. That's 844 844- 747 Have you heard about Kirk Cameron? What a crazy story this is. Yes, Mike Seaver from uh, back in the day. Uh, Kirk Cameron, now a uh, born-again believer in our Lord. He is a great Hollywood producer, been turning out a lot of great faith-based films. Uh, he and his wife have a number of kids, uh, most of whom I think they have two biological children and the rest are they adopted. Uh, but he is very outspoken, uh, on his faith, and Kirk has been a regular on this radio program for a number of years, and uh, he and I have shared the stage together a number of times uh, over the past years. Anyway, he's got a brand new children's book out, and Lord knows we need more children's books. And this storybook teaches kids about values, and specifically about about biblical values, and it teaches them about God, and it's a beautiful children's storybook. Now, Kirk and his publisher, called Brave Books, they were uh, reaching out to libraries across the country, and they wanted the libraries to host Kirk Cameron. So the way it would work, Kirk Cameron would come to the local library, he would have a copy of his book there, and he would read the storybook to the children. And they reached out to 50 libraries. By the way, the name of the book is As You Grow, and it promotes faith and family and biblical values. All great things, right? Well, it turns out that all 50 libraries they reached out to rejected story time with Kirk Cameron. Every single one of these libraries is taxpayer-funded, and all 50 have been sponsoring LGBT events, including drag queen story hours. So in other words, they're rolling out the glitter carpet for the drag queens, but Jesus gets the heave ho. We've got the story up on the website. Kirk says the book teaches about uh, biblical wisdom and the value of producing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Find anything objectionable in this list yet, folks? Uh, Goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Apparently, those are all triggering words to the radicals in the LGBT library movement. So anyway, um, the library said, no, we're not going to do it. And many of the libraries actually told them why. One Rhode Island library said that they were a very queer-friendly library. (laughs) What does that even mean? What does that mean? Quote, we are a very queer-friendly library. Our messaging does not align. What is the messaging? You're a freaking library. You got books. It's about the Dewey Decimal System, if they still do that. I don't know. I haven't been in a library in a long time. One San Diego library rejected the book because of its diverse community. Well, what does that mean? So apparently reading books about teenage boys slipping into sparkly dresses and high heels is okay, but reading about a god is homophobic and triggering. That's what they're telling everybody now. It's tragic. But again, it seems to me if if the taxpayer funded libraries and that's the key, that's the key here folks. If it's funded by your tax dollars, if they can host a non-binary pronoun confused author of color, then they can certainly squeeze in a Christian straight white dude, right? Right? It just, that just seems fair. But that's not what it's about. It's not about fairness. It's about shoving an agenda down the throats of your children and having your children shove the dollar bills into the G-strings of the drag queens. That's what it's really all about. That brings me to another library story. This is like Library Hour on the John Stearns Radio Program. One of our great listeners reached out to me from Massachusetts. always had a hard time spelling that as a child. Didn't do well in the spelling bee. Librarian exposing all sorts of debauchery in the public library in Dedham, Massachusetts. This is a terrible story. So every year they set up a Christmas tree. You know, we set up a Christmas tree here at the Todd Stearns Radio Show. We have poinsettias, and we have a nativity scene with the baby Jesus, and we have Santa Claus with a a long sleigh that you can put delicious candies in, which, by the way, Grace Baker, is now empty. Somebody has been eating Uh, the Ghirardelli peppermint bark chocolate.
7: It was Merlot
1: just want to make that observation I'm not I'm not casting blame I'm just pointing something no out no comment anyway Lisa Desmond is the branch manager for the Dedham Massachusetts library and she wrote about this on her social media page uh turns out they're not setting up a christmas tree in the public library and she asked why and apparently management told her that people were uncomfortable. So people were very uncomfortable about something happening in the in the library. And what was what were they uncomfortable about? They were uncomfortable having a Christmas tree in the library. So they decided to go ahead and remove the Christmas tree from the Dedham library. Now I did a little research here, and it did not take long. Turns out this library, they have LGBT events out the wazoo. And by wazoo, I mean nothing sexual. It's just an expression, a phrase, if you will. But they're hosting gay events out the wazoo. They're hosting all sorts, like Juneteenth events, you name it. Any kind of a holiday, they're celebrating. Gay pride, they got a whole month full of activities at the library. But God forbid somebody puts up a Christmas tree. The librarian writes, We have celebrated and included everyone in our community, except for Christians. In fact, I was asked to emcee Juneteenth this year. What an honor! Those who know me and my family know we celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah. My Muslim friends and Western Indian friends invite me to their celebrations. What an amazing gift! And she, she, we've got a picture that she posted of a child that was putting an ornament on the library Christmas tree. How beautiful! Quote, I'm not feeling very positive today. Please bring Christmas back to my beautiful library. Always lead with love in your heart. Oh, that's very thoughtful. That would make a nice, like, T-shirt or something. Coffee mug. The library's decision has sparked outrage among citizens. Someone wrote, political correctness is eroding the national sensibility. Christmas is a federal holiday in the country. Put the tree up, you grinches. I added that part. Anyway, um, it turns out a local member of the Human Rights Commission wrote a nasty, threatening letter to Mrs. Densmore, the librarian, and just blasting her for exposing the fact that they had killed Christmas. Blank you. Wrote the member of the Human Rights Commission, You're a selfish blanking blank who does not care about anyone but herself. For a tree, for a mother blanking tree, you have put people's lives in danger here. A lot of danger for a mother blanking tree. Oh, it sounds like a lovely person. I saw a photograph of the individual. Pronoun, not quite clear. So anyway, there you have it. But you know what they should have done, Grace Baker? I was thinking about this as we go to break. What they should have done, because you know who got offended? It was the...
7: <laughs> the tree huggers? Okay.
1: <laughs> oh, it was the ones with the, with the flags. Oh, uh, with that oh, special yeah. time of month. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. The entire month of June. Uh, what they should have done is put the Christmas tree up and decorated it with little rainbows and snowflakes oh and said this is the gay pride tree oh there you go go celebrate
7: i have a feeling they wouldn't have said anything then
1: yeah and it would have been awkward when santa arrived ho 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 i'm just it would have been awkward it would have been awkward all right folks there you have it uh, your tax dollars at work we'll be right back <laughs>
3: President Roosevelt said the U.S. was bound and determined to stay out of this war. Then, the morning of
10: December 7th, 1941...
2: interrupt this program to bring you a special news bulletin. The Japanese have attacked Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, by air. President Roosevelt has just announced. The attack also was made on all naval and military activities on the principal island of Oahu.
0: We take you now to Washington. The
3: details are not available. They will be in a few minutes. The White House is now giving out a statement. The attack apparently was made on all naval and on naval and military activities on the principal island of Oahu. The president's brief statement was read to reporters by Stephen Early, the president's secretary. A Japanese attack upon Pearl Harbor naturally would mean war. Such an attack would naturally bring a counterattack.
1: And hostilities of this kind would naturally mean that's what it's, that the president would like And that's ask what it Congress sounded like it. on D-Day, uh, on December, uh, or rather on Pearl Harbor Day on December 7th, a date that will live in infamy as uh, Franklin Roosevelt once declared to Congress. Uh, that audio uh, comes courtesy of our good friend Wyatt Cox, who hosts classic radio theater, uh, which you can hear on a lot of radio stations around the nation, Uh, but Wyatt was able to accumulate all of this incredible audio from the radio broadcast of that day. Just imagine, there was no TV, no internet, no smartphones. Uh, People literally found out about the attack on Pearl Harbor by listening to the radio, and uh, he has, again, compiled a lot of great audio content, and I would encourage you to check that out uh, over on his website. That's Wyatt Cox with Classic Radio Theater. All right, folks, got to take a break. When we come back, Ralph Reed is going to join us uh, to give us a, um, a blow-by-blow of what happened in Georgia. Also, Congressman Pat Fallon going to be weighing in on the Twitter files, Twittergate, and we have new information to share with you there. Unbelievable, some of the new accusations. And Biden still refuses to go to the border. He'll go to the border states, but not the border. Stick around, everybody.
0: Live from the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's common sense conservative commentary from Todd Starnes. That's
3: us. That's right. I love American
6: to me it's personal i have lost we have lost border patrol agents in the recent weeks that are our friends just last night we lost another friend it has to stop the joe biden administration has played the border crisis his policies have created has downplayed it he's on record stating that there's other more important things that is ridiculous statement and it is a disrespect to our border patrol agents i'm asking him to come to south texas to come and see what our border patrol agents are going through so we can see some real solutions coming forward
1: all right, that's Congresswoman uh, Myra Flores just a little while ago uh, weighing in on a, a horrible story uh, coming out of the, uh, the border where a Border Patrol agent, 38 years old, uh, married kids, and he was killed while chasing a bunch of illegal alien invaders. But Joe Biden can't be bothered to go down to the border because he says there are more important things he has to deal with, like whatever flavor of ice cream he licks at night. Those things are more important to this president. Meanwhile, you have Border Patrol agents every single day putting their lives on the line. They are vastly outnumbered. They are outmanned. They don't have enough resources to secure our borders. And therefore, the borders have been overrun. And now a Border Patrol agent is dead. This is the Todd Stearns Radio Show, 844 747 8868. That is our toll free telephone number. I want to go to the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line. Honored to have with us a good friend of the program, no stranger to this show. He represents the 4th Congressional District in Texas, Congressman Pat Fallon. Congressman, tragic news coming out of the border today.
0: You know, Todd, it's, it's, it's the worst thing that, you know, it's the, our greatest fear is when our law enforcement, the people that we. Uh, to protect us and keep us safe, give their lives. Um, in this, this is, I think, uh, needlessly because if Joe Biden had done his job and secured the border, I don't think this would have happened.
1: Congressman, what, what do you hope to see happen in the new Congress with the House of Representatives? Uh, is there anything you guys can do to help these Border Patrol agents out?
0: Well, you know, we can, the main thing we can do, Todd, because we only going to hold one chamber. You know, the, the Democrats are going to be in control of the Senate, as we know, and then of course, Biden wasn't on the ballot in 2022. But what we can do is tell the American people the truth. We're going to have the power of subpoena. We're going to have Alonzo Marcos. I'm filing, our office is filing articles of impeachment on this person because he has abdicated his responsibility. It's a gross dereliction of duty. He will refuse, he refuses to enforce the laws that are on the books. He lied to the American people about the incident that they're actually an incident that didn't even happen, where uh, Border Patrol agents were accused of whipping Haitian migrants. That didn't happen. He knew it didn't happen. And he said it anyway. And he also said, Todd, last year and, they, and this year included, that the border was secure. And then he got caught on the hot mic last year saying that the border was chaos. So clearly, I believe he lied under oath in, in front of Congress. So he needs to face the music finally. And the American people need to know the
9: truth.
1: Congressman, uh, we've been following on a very different story. Uh, Twittergate, uh, Twitter files, they're both going viral on social media, at least on Twitter. And uh, now we're getting word that before these Twitter files were released by Elon Musk and his team, that James Baker was able to scrub these documents, a man who has ties to not only Twitter, but also the FBI. Uh, What concerns do you have based on the information coming out?
0: I think that's a. Uh, it sounds to me, Todd, like that's election engineering. Ironically, the very thing that the left and the mainstream media—sorry for being redundant there—but uh, was accusing President Trump of doing it with the Russians, which was pro- was proven patently false. But you're putting the thumb on the scale of our electoral process when big tech is colluding with the Democratic National Committee on what stories to run and what stories to hold back. Uh, and it should be very chilling for every American.
1: I mean, this is this is a significant issue, and especially with the special protections that social media giants ha- have been given. Uh, and the, the fact is that they were involved in uh, running interference for Democrats and not just presidential elections, but we also know that Katie Hobbs and her office were literally calling Twitter headquarters and telling them to remove tweets that were offensive to Katie Hobbs.
0: Well, not only that, look at what Google Mail did, Todd. I mean, this is, again, I, it, shows, it sends a shiver down my spine to know. And, and really, we had fears, right? We had suspicions, but now they're being confirmed. Like, For instance, 70% of Republican campaign emails went to spam on Google compared to just 10% for the Democrats. I, don't, I wouldn't want it the other way. I mean, I just want a fair playing field. And that is clearly not what we've had over the last several years.
1: On the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line is Congressman Pat Fallon from the great state of Texas. Congressman, I know you guys are starting to line up the investigations. Uh, what do you think is going to be first and foremost for you guys?
0: You know, and uh, so I sit on Armed Services and the Oversight Committee. On the Oversight Committee, is going to be uh, many investigations. I think the first one will probably be, I have to talk to soon-to-be Chairman Comer, but uh, probably Hunter Biden. Because we're talking about a, a potentially a grave national security threat. And there's all the ingredients for corruption here. And we need to get people under oath. Now, they might take the Fifth Amendment. All right, well, that's going to send a very clear message to the American people that this is not what it seems, uh, at least what, not what Joe Biden wants it to appear to be. Because there's been 150 suspicious activity reports filed against the Biden family. So to, to give your listeners uh, an idea of what an NSAR is, if you just walk in the bank and deposit $190,000 in cash, that may not be illegal. It's not illegal in and of itself, but it could be. A, it could lead to a suspicion that there was a criminal act behind it. So that suspicious uh, activity report has to be filed with a, a financial institution. Has to file that with the government. Or if there's say a big check you got for four million dollars from Saudi Arabia, it's just a little odd. Most Americans would never have an SAR filed against them. The Bidens have had 150 of them, Todd, filed against them. That's interesting. That's odd. That is suspicious. We need to get to the truth. Furthermore, the SARs were always made available to members of Congress, uh, and Joe Biden changed the rules, and they're not available to us right now, and they haven't been for the last two years.
1: All right, uh, Congressman, we uh, we are going to leave it there, and uh, we do appreciate you weighing in on this breaking news uh, coming out of the border where a Border Patrol agent uh, has been killed in the line of duty. Uh, Congressman, I hope you and the Fallon family have a very Merry Christmas.
0: Merry Christmas to you, Todd, and let's all pray for that brave hero's family and uh, that we can get to the bottom of it.
1: Well said. All right, Congressman Pat Fallon on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line. Uh, Here is the report from Fox News, Cut 13. And
7: just in from the border in the last hour, Fox News has learned that a Border Patrol agent was killed in a crash chasing a group of illegal immigrants. Bill Malusian live in Hidalgo, Texas. And Bill, uh, there's consequences to this every single day.
12: Dana, good morning to you. That's exactly right. Multiple federal sources telling me this happened in Mission, Texas early this morning, just about 20 minutes away from where we're standing right now. Really, really tragic news. I'm told by these sources that a 38 year old Border Patrol agent was chasing a group of illegal immigrants in Mission on his ATV and going pretty fast when he crashed into a gate and he lost his life. As a result of that crash, I am told by these sources that that agent was a father of two, that he was a fantastic agent, and that he was a really good guy. I have reached out to CBP for a formal statement. We're waiting to hear back, but this agent lost his life doing his job in some pretty difficult circumstances with this border crisis right now. Case in point, we'll take you elsewhere along the border. Look at these photos right here. Another major fentanyl bust out of Arizona. This at the CBP Port of Entry in Nogales, Arizona, where CBP officers seized 440,000 Fentanyl pills hidden in the seats of a smuggler's vehicle as he was going through that port of entry. That's just a few hours south of Phoenix, where President Biden was yesterday, but he obviously didn't decide to visit the Arizona border. We'll keep it in Arizona. Take a look at these images out of Border Patrol's Tucson, Arizona sector. This is a human smuggler who was driving a truck with 13 illegal immigrants in it. Border Patrol says at extreme speeds. Well, once he was stopped, take a look what was in that vehicle. Two little unrestrained migrant children were in that group of migrants being smuggled. And then you take a look at the back of the vehicle. Six illegal immigrants, all dressed in camouflage, all crammed into the bed of that truck. Border Patrol dealing with that sort of thing day in and day out. Then lastly, take a look at this video from Texas DPS dash cam showing what their troopers are dealing with day in and day out down here at the southern border. One of their troopers pulling over, another human smuggler, a female U.S. citizen from San Antonio. Everybody goes bailing out of the vehicle. Nine illegal immigrants go running off in all directions. The trooper decides to go after the smuggler. He arrests her, charges her, and she is taken into custody. But back out here live again, that tragic news that here in the Rio Grande Valley, just about 20 minutes away from where we're standing, a Border Patrol agent lost his life, 38 years old, a father of two, died after he crashed his ATV into a gate while chasing a group of illegal immigrants. We'll send it back to you. It's tragic. It,
1: it is tragic, and it could have been prevented. But nobody wants to do anything about the border, uh, not even the Republicans. And the reason why the Republicans don't want anything done with the border is uh, they're beholden to all these big businesses. And the big business, they don't care about you folks. They don't care about the hardworking people of America. They want to use this cheap foreign labor to make their cheap products and get it back across the border. Uh, so, anyway, it's it's a tragedy, but there you go. All right, 844-747-8868. That's 844-747-8868. You've heard the news. Twitter censored conservatives big time. They also suppressed information about Hunter Biden's laptop. Now, Eric Bolling is on Newsmax exposing Twitter's war on President Trump. And I want you to tune in tonight, again tonight, on Newsmax to watch Eric Bowling and The Balance. For news you need to know, make sure you vote in Newsmax's urgent poll. Do you want Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis as your candidate in 2024? Newsmax wants to know what you think. You can text the word skip to 39747. That's skip to 39747 and let your voice be heard. Maybe it's just me, but are we coddling criminals in America? Uh, again, it's you know it's like with your kids, and, and you've you've seen these types. You probably go to church with them, and uh, they've got the little. Uh, the, the, you can always tell the moms and dads who don't discipline their kids. You know they they want to reason with the children, they want to have a conversation. But uh, one of the one of the great problems in America is that far too many boys and girls do not know. The holy terror and fear of hearing a leather belt coming out of daddy's loops on the blue jeans. I'm just telling you, a lot of parents just aren't disciplining their kids, and the kids don't care. They're running around like like wild animals in the church house. It's terrible. So I do wonder if maybe we treat criminals the same way. You know, we've got all these Soros-funded district attorneys everywhere, and Nobody wants to get punished. As a matter of fact, if you are a victim of a crime, you're actually not the victim. You're the criminal because you've gotten a bad guy in trouble with the law. That's what they want you to believe. I mean, how many times do you turn on the news and there's, I don't know, LaMangelo, Washington, and LaMangelo has gone in and he has repatriated, I don't know, $30,000 worth of tennis shoes from the sneaker store. And the family is defending Lamangelo, Washington, as a good and decent boy. He's such a good boy. He has he, he never caused me any trouble growing up. And yes, I know he's thirty five years old now, but he's he's getting ready to go back to school and he's getting his life back together. And Lamangelo, he um this is the mother speaking. And sweet Lamangelo, my sweet, sweet boy, He he's actually taking care of all of his children with all of the baby mamas. Every single one of them. He never leaves one of them out. All 14. Such a good boy. He doesn't deserve this. I guess so. Got to put a lot of shoes on a lot of feet. You got to do what you got to do, right? So... It's horrible because nobody wants to punish Lamangelo Washington, because it's a good little boy, age 35, thinking about going back to college. So I'm, just, I'm just saying, no I, no, I don't know. I don't think there's actually. And if there is a Lamangelo Washington, we're just making this name up. So, I mean, the same thing happened to his brother, Arangelo, uh, Arangelo and Lamangelo. I, it's, It's in the family. Oh, my boys, Lamangelo and Arangelo! He ain't done nothing to nobody, hardly ever. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I say this because one of the most affluent malls in all of Memphis is going up for auction, and it is in a beautiful high-end part of Memphis. At the poor mall is now a, it's like a war zone. People get shot in the mall. There's robberies. They get shot outside the mall. Directly across the street, there's an outdoor shopping mall, and nobody ever gets robbed over there, (laughs) but by God, in that mall. And so people are online, and it's just hundreds of people, and they're like, well, we don't understand what happened. Maybe they just didn't have enough good sales. (laughs) Well the problem is Lamangelo and Orangelo. they wanted too much free stuff. And now unfortunately now unfortunately the businesses are going belly up.
7: Todd, I just got to add a note here. So Oakbrook Mall, I like grew up going to that mall and it is horrible. Like every time I went back it was like do I have to you know, you look for a store and you're like, "Oh no, it's there. Like you have to go there to get it." So you're like, "Okay, I'm going to dash in there. You don't go at night. There's like rules. You don't go at night. If you park in the parking garage, you got to park on certain levels. You got to look around before you walk. It's like it is an actual thing. And when you're in there, you're like making a beeline for the store and then you're getting out.
1: Grandmother Starnes was very fond of Godiva chocolate. And that was the only Godiva chocolate store in the Mid-South was in that mall. So I would always go over there and I would get her some chocolate. So one year I flew back to Memphis back when I was still working at Fox. And the place was destitute It's horrible And in place of the Godiva store It looked like there were these folks uh, South of the border That were selling the little candies That were, I don't know They are like a buck
7: Is this like the generic good, Godiva It's like the kind job. they
1: try to sell, the kids try to sell you When you go to the border of Mexico
7: Oh, oh, oh okay
1: <laughs> That place
7: is just It's been bad it's for a long da- time It's gone
1: downhill a yeah. smidge
7: And for women it was like Don't go to that mall Don't go to that mall
1: so memphis and malls don't go well together they've had to shut down so many of the major malls and there's only in memphis proper there's only one other major mall and that is that one's worse that's worse the galleria yeah it's bigger bigger
7: it's terrible it can
1: accommodate many more criminals
7: i seriously won't go there alone i have to have a buddy
1: so here's here's the good news though there is a solution and it's not coddling the criminals A Philadelphia gas station owner came up with a solution to all of this. This poor guy has been robbed. He's been threatened. His his staffers, his employees have been beaten up. Mr. Neil Patel, he owns the Carco gas station at Broad and Clearfield in North Philly. You know what he did? He got tired of waiting on the police, so he took matters into his own hands. He hired security guards, literally armed with AR-15s. And they are stationed right outside the front door of the gas station. And you know, it's interesting. um, Something very interesting happened uh, at that gas station. It turns out when there is a guard armed with an AR-15 standing outside your gas station, nobody's going to rob that gas station. And if they try to, they're going to end up going to the morgue. So I say good for you, Mr. Patel. And that's a lesson here. You people over at the Oak Court Mall – Go get yourself an AR-15. Defend your property. Defend your people. It's us against the criminals, and I'm not sure the police are going to be much help. Got to take a break here. 844-747-8868.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I hope so. I mean, that 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 could happen. What I do know is this: um, uh, th- tonight is about Georgia, and tonight is about Trump picking somebody who, frankly, used to be a hero. Uh, his, his name, Herschel Walker, used to mean inspiration. Now it means insult. He's an insult to the black community. And a, 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 what you may see tonight is people coming out not just to vote. Uh, in favor of a senator that they love, but just to vote against Donald Trump picking somebody like this and throwing this person at the voters in Georgia, like well, you'll just pick anybody who's black uh, th- th- his judgment trump's judgment uh, tonight is going to be I think called into question by a lot of people and and I think that when you have when you have a situation where uh, uh, it's obvious that Trump uh, when uh, he was a little bit too clever by half. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm going to put a black guy against a black guy, but the guy that he picked was the wrong black guy.
1: All right. uh, That was Van Jones on CNN. May I just say something about Van Jones? Uh, Going back into the history books, uh, he was uh, a big deal during the Barack Hussein Obama years. And this is a guy who actually wanted to make it legal for cats and dogs to sue their owners in court. Uh, That's all you need to know about Fan Jones. I want to go to the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker Line, a man who uh, has been a regular guest on this program, very involved uh, there in the state of Georgia, as well as politics nationwide. He is the founder and chairman of the Faith and Freedom Coalition, none other than Ralph Reed. Ralph, good to have you with us today.
13: Thanks so much, Todd. Good to be with you.
1: All right, let's just rip the Band-Aid off here. What the heck happened last night, Ralph?
13: Well, I think uh, I can tell you this. Um, I was deeply involved in this effort. Faith and Freedom, my organization, knocked on almost 400,000 doors of the runoff, uh, made hundreds of thousands of phone calls, put voter guys into 5,000 churches, and we did everything we could to turn the vote out. And the vote came out. Uh, the, the objective was to get 1.4 million voters to the polls yesterday, which should have overcome Warnock's advantage in the early vote. Uh, we didn't get to 1.4. Uh, we shattered it. We not only shattered it, but we had more people vote yesterday than voted on Election Day. Uh, about uh, six million, uh, about 1.6 million yesterday compared to 1.5 million on November 8th. The challenge was that in the end, in the key counties, uh, Herschel's margin did not match. His margin of victory in those counties did not match where he was on November 8th. And I can't tell you why that happened. Uh, But we but it happened. And uh, that's why we are where we are today. And at at the risk of stating the obvious, I know there are people that are going to take shots at Herschel. And obviously, you know, not to spend a lot of time on what Van said, uh, but nothing could be further from the truth. Trump didn't handpick or select anybody. Herschel grew up in this state. Herschel has business in this state. He has one of the largest food services companies. Uh, in the United States, is headquartered in Dublin, Georgia. He has family here. Uh, He has a home in in Atlanta, and he came back to Georgia because he was tired of his state being divided and being represented by somebody who he didn't think shared the values of the state. And Donald Trump supported him, but the idea that, you know, he was hand-picked and selected in some cynical way is just a liberal lie and a media lie. And, uh, Finally, uh, Todd, just real quick, I would just say, at the risk of stating the obvious, that Raphael Warnock is clearly a formidable opponent. He's won four elections in two years. He outspent Herschel three to one. This is a hard guy to beat. It's not like Herschel lost to him and everybody else beat him. He beat Kelly Leffler by 100,000 votes uh, two years ago. So this is a tough this was a tough race. It was always going to be a tough race.
1: Ralph when you when you look at the and and I'm sure there's going to be plenty of time to analyze the data and the numbers and I'm very curious to know about young the youth vote and did it turn out and if so who did it turn out for? But more yeah. but more importantly, I'm I'm concerned about the 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 friendly fire here, the not so friendly fire where you've got the Lieutenant Governor of Georgia, you know, who is actively campaigning against the nominee of his own party. I got a big problem with that.
13: Yeah, I do too, but, you know, there's a discount factor there. It played much bigger nationally than it did in Georgia. I mean, Jeff Duncan, and I don't want to be unkind, but he's a lame duck who's going to be out of office in like 25 days. And he didn't even run for re-election, in part, I think, because he wouldn't have even won a primary. And uh, the lieutenant the, the lieutenant governor-elect... The guy that has real support in the party, Bert Jones, was campaigning for Herschel all over the state. Brian Kemp, the governor, uh, cut cut an ad for him, did rallies for him, did did uh, teletown halls for him, turned his entire grassroots organization of 200 canvassers over to Herschel. I assure you, Todd, the party was united, and anytime you got Brian Kemp. Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell all rowing in the same direction. That's called unity. So that is not what happened here. This guy is a hard guy to beat. And let me tell you one other thing that nobody's talking about, because all they're talking about is Herschel in Georgia. Did you know that Republicans have only beaten two Senate incumbents since 2016? So they've gone roughly 35 and two with their incumbents against Republican opponents. And guess who the two lost are? Claire McCaskill of Missouri, who was in a state that Trump carried by 20 points. And frankly, she should have lost the last election. And Rick Scott defeated Bill Nelson by 10,000 votes out of 8 million. So at least in recent history, this has been hard. In the same state where Herschel came up a little short last night, Republicans won every other statewide office, and Brian Kemp, who signed the heartbeat bill, was reelected by a landslide after being outspent two to one. And so be- the media is going to try and portray this as the end of the world. It was just a tough race where a great guy, a sweet man, a deeply committed Christian, a great person just came up a little short.
1: Ralph, were you guys ever ever able to get the answer to the question is what happened on election day back in November when uh, when the the vote for Kemp you know, was not the vote for for Herschel Walker? Uh, do any indication of what happened there?
13: Oh yeah, we know exactly what happened. You know, there were uh, there were two hundred thousand people who voted for Brian who didn't vote for Herschel. Uh, about seventeen thousand of them skipped it. Uh, I'm doing this from memory, but roughly thirty thousand voted for the Libertarian, and there, there were one hundred fifty thousand who voted Kemp Warnock, which seems to be an incoherent vote to me. Um, it it indicates a level of cognitive dissonance. We believe in the ex-burbs in the rural areas. Those were mostly soft Democrats. Uh, they were going to vote. They were high-propensity voters. They were going to vote Democrat, but they couldn't vote for
3: Stacey Abrams.
13: The polling indicates that the people who skipped it weren't going to come back, and the polling further indicates that the people who voted for Kemp and the Libertarian were going to vote for Herschel overwhelmingly. So one of the reasons why last night was, I don't want to say a surprise, because Herschel had a big early vote, held a climb. I mean, he was behind a couple hundred thousand votes going into yesterday. But one thing that was a little surprising is the polling showed that 10 to 15 percent of Kemp Warnock voters were going to come back and vote for Herschel. And the polling indicated that by two to one, the people who voted Libertarian were going to vote for Herschel. There were 81,000 of those voters. So he was right in there. It was doable, but you know, it's it's a tough opponent against an incumbent who's outspending you three to one.
1: So, so where do, where where is the fix here? And we've heard leadership changes uh, at the RNC. Uh, there needs to be a discussion about these consultants, the campaign consultants, and the right. money. Uh, where do you see the big issue here, and what can we do to fix it?
13: Well, I'm not going to get involved in the RNC race, but I will say, without getting involved, that Ronna Romney and the RNC moved heaven and earth in this race. Um, she personally, and the National Party, uh, you know, not going to go to, go into all the details in an interview, but things that I'm aware of in terms of money that was moved in here. Uh, every RNC canvasser and staffer from around the country was moved into Georgia they knocked on 1.5 million doors, including 93,000 doors on the Saturday before the election. Uh, they had a very good data team. They were targeting voters. Uh, they spent millions, okay, millions. Uh, I think there are two things that call out for effect. There may be others, but these two, Todd, I'm totally focused on. The first is we have got to make sure that we're not behind by this much in early votes anymore in these battleground states. Uh, our people tend not to like to vote early and they sure don't like to vote by mail until we culturally overcome that resistance and we get people to vote by mail and to vote early in person uh we're going to have to score three touchdowns on election day to come from behind it's the equivalent of going into the fourth quarter down three or four scores you may pull it off but it's not a good strategy you know in florida there's a huge early vote, about fifty to sixty percent of the vote, and the Republicans are not behind by more than seventy-five to hundred thousand out of millions. The second thing we got to fix is we got to fix this uh, fundraising advantage that they have among small donors. Warnock went into this race with twenty-five million dollars, and his cash on hand never went below twenty-five million, even though he spent two hundred million, because every time he sent out a text message every day. A million dollars came in every single day, sometimes two or three million. He outspent Herschel three or four to one in the general. He outspent him two to one in the runoff. There's 36 million act blue small donors compared to 12 to 15 million win red donors. Todd, I'm just telling you flat out, if there's four to six to eight battleground Senate races in America every two years and every one of those guys is getting outspent two, three, four, five to one, this is going to
8: keep happening.
1: Ralph Reed on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker Line this afternoon, uh, dissecting what happened in Georgia. Ralph is the founder and chairman of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Ralph, where do we go from here?
13: Well, I think what we got to do is we we got to look at the 24 map. Uh, we got to start looking at the potential candidates. Uh, we're going to have to fix the small donor problem. We're going to have to give some thought to what we have to do in terms of either election law and election integrity legislation and or changes in how we do our job in getting more people to vote early and to vote by mail, so that we can uh, we we need we need good candidates, we need well funded candidates, and the last thing I would say, Todd, and and I do think, don't have time in today's format to go into it, but I do think we're doing a good job at the grassroots, but they're still out hustling us. We've got to build a grassroots infrastructure that is county by county, precinct by precinct neighborhood by neighborhood, with vote goals, where you have workers, paid and unpaid, that know every single voter, how they intend to vote, and they have the ability to vote uh, massive numbers of voters in a very reliable way. They have that. I, I give Stacey Abrams and Warnock credit. They built a heck of a machine here in 2018 and 2020 and Warnock benefited from that yesterday.
1: And and we need I don't change that. And I don't want to jump the gun, but uh, watching Warnock and if I'm a democrat and I'm seeing that guy and the numbers he's pulling in the national donors and the fact that he has won those races, he's looking like a formidable possible presidential contender down the road.
13: Well, there was already reporting even before he was uh, elected to a full term to that effect. So Uh, You know, the irony of this whole thing is I think Stacey Abrams thought it was going to be her running for president, and she simply recruited this guy to run for the Senate because she wanted to run for governor. And she lost two races, and now he's the one who's the national figure. So politics is a very funny business. But you know what it's a reminder of, Todd? It's a wake-up call, especially for the Christian community, that elections have real consequences. And if you allow somebody who is this far out of the mainstream This radical, this hardcore left to win a statewide office, even if you think it's a fluke, uh, you can pay a very heavy price. We did it with Obama, and, you know, we got to worry about Warnock now. So elections matter, and they have real consequences.
1: All right, Ralph, we're going to leave it there. Good intel. Appreciate you yep you too todd thanks all right ralph reed everybody from the faith and freedom coalition got to take a break when we come back get to we're getting to your calls 844-747-8868 we'll be right back all right coming up tomorrow former congressman jd hayworth is going to be in the big anchor chair our good friend from arizona Uh, I'm taking a few days off uh, to uh, wrap up this book project I've been doing, so uh, I will not be vacationing just yet, Uh, but uh, we're excited to have uh, the former congressman with us, Great American Patriot, and he'll be with us on uh, Thursday and Friday, and then on Monday, our good friend Mary Walter is going to be in the Anchor Chair. Hey, let's go to the phones here, 844-747-8868. Let's go to Faith in Memphis, Tennessee, KWAM, our great affiliate there. Faith, what's on your mind? Happy Wednesday, Todd. Happy Wednesday.
14: Um, I just want to say that uh, I'm not even going to get into the weeds of if it's Trump out or nothing. I don't believe it is. I do blame him, though, for endorsing Purdue in the first place. I think that stuff, he has some on his feet. But like I said, back in May, I believe that Walker should have appealed to the black churches that happen to be black. And I only say that it's because um, based on I, I listen to your show a lot and I also listen to other people because I like to kind of get a pulse on what people in Georgia are thinking. And I had already saw like a negative turn since the primary uh, against Herschel Walker, although he won the primary fair and square. If, if, they, if uh, your quality candidate didn't win, then you had some decisions to make. So I'm assuming those same people who voted in the primary also voted in the generals. But listening to those feedback about him, people think he illiterate. He can't hold conversations for more than five seconds. So some of it may be true, some not, given on the, given on the day. I was like, he needs to, no matter what your race is, you need to go to churches, period. But I saw the machine firsthand. Um, uh, uh, Bishop... Um, What's his name? Murphy. He's a gospel singer and a bishop. I've been listening to his sermons a long time ago about him prepping. I I knew he was prepping up Stacey Abrams and prepping up Warnock. um, uh, Jamal Bryant, who shouldn't be a pastor anyway. They were doing that traditional, what I call, whipping that they do in churches that happen to be black a lot when it comes to election season. However, Walker does appeal to man, men's men. He appeals to black men. Black men, generally speaking, do not like Warnock. Warnock is the type of person who would get a lot of women, but a man's man, they can't stand Warnock. And uh, to me, I saw that in the general when they rejected Abrams. I'm talking about the Democrat vote. They rejected Abrams and uh, and and, and, and uh, Kemp skipped on through. So he needed to go to the black churches, especially when they had all these gospel artists who've been gospel artists since the '70s, '80s, like John P. Key, and it was all simping for Warnock. Had them. They had all their clergy collars on, like a week before, all appealing to the authority of God and and I believe by the Holy Spirit that Warnock is going to get it. That was whipping them all. They they, they turned their minds from you know abortion is wrong. You know trans is the kid. Transing the kids are wrong. But hey, God's hand is on Warnock. He's going to fight for all of us so we can worship in peace and and, and, uh, do the gospel. Faith,
1: I'm surprised lightning bolts didn't come down from the uh, the heavens uh, with some of those uh, sermons they were delivering supporting Warnock. It It made no sense. Faith, I hate to do this, but we are flat out of time and they're going to cut us off. But to your point, uh, the black churches were key to Walker, and and you're right. Again, missed opportunities. Uh, but we've got to do a better job getting out there and getting into communities where we have not gone. Right? Isn't that the Star Trek motto? Go where no man has gone before. No Republican man. I guess. All right, folks. We'll see you next week. Have a great one, everybody.